This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, here on All Hows Eve, the day before Dia de los Muertos. Just hoping everyone's having a nice and safe Halloween. I put a sign up on my door to tell the kids in the neighborhood to buzz off and put candy out there. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm interested to see how many of us are going to have doorbell ringings going on in the show, AB. H- have you been prepared or is SB sitting on the porch like ready just to make sure that there's no dark dog barking happening? Great news. I have the uh, ring gimmick and it hasn't worked for weeks and <laughs> I keep forgetting to fix it. So no one will be ringing the doorbell. Good plan. Good plan. All right. Also joined by our other good friend. It is Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron and Mike. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't really even have the opportunity. See, I would have just like hidden my place here, had any trick-or-treaters come to the door or anything. But where I live, the trick-or-treat hours were 4 to 6 p.m. And I went to the grocery store after work, so I got home at like 5.50. Granted, we are like in a blizzard, basically, and everything's covered in snow. So, you know, I, I doubt that very many people are really uh, out uh, going into apartment complexes to knock on doors or anything. Um, but yeah, no uh, no real Halloween opportunities for me. Do you normally get trick-or-treaters in the apartment complex? Uh, so there's you're supposed to have like a door hanger where you put it on your door and then people that live around here go to the doors with door hangers on them of people that want to participate. Um, but there's not very many children you know, around here anyway, like it's mostly uh, younger adults, I guess. So no. Yeah, I I think the last time I lived in an apartment was in law school and we would get a decent uh, two or three maybe <laughs> every. But then like I think one year I stayed in the same apartment all law school. I think one year we were like, oh, there'll be two or three. And then there were like tons of kids. So I'm not sure uh, what happened there. My neighborhood, not great for trick-or-treaters. I think we got, we've had two so far tonight, but it's also like cold and rainy, so. I feel like the actual trick-or-treating part is a diminishing tradition and everything else about Halloween is becoming more important. Mm. I don't know. Seems seems like the sexy costumes have really taken everything over. <laughs> we've gotten away from what Halloween really means, which is um, child pedestrian fatalities. <laughs> and the fiend becoming... WWE champion. The Fiend. In Riyadh season. Okay. We're going to do a podcast now. We're already doing one, I guess. If you aren't already, make sure you're following us at Everything AEW. And folks, it's an important time to follow at Everything AEW because there's going to be some some content news coming up that you're all going to want to hear. So stay tuned to at Everything AEW for that news. You can also find us. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. You can subscribe to the podcast. Search Everything Elite 
on the podcast app of your choice or search Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Subscribe to that. You'll get us along with all the other shows on the network. If you're listening on iTunes, no, that's not it. The podcast app. I've been doing so good at that. <laughs> and I botched it. Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. If you'd like to support the show, you can sponsor the show by going to redcircle.com slash shows slash everything dash elite. I think you can also go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate. You click uh, the red button. You can give a one-time sponsorship or a reoccurring sponsorship on a monthly basis. And if you missed it, on Wednesday morning, Mike and I did a little show called AEW Light. And basically, we did about 23 minutes previewing that night's Dynamite. The idea is we don't always know that much about the show the Thursday before when we're recording this podcast. So we want to do a little bite-sized preview on Wednesday mornings. So that is not in this feed. It was on SoundCloud last week. It will be on SoundCloud this coming week. And then it will find a new home. So uh, stay tuned to our Twitter account for those links. We're going to talk about Dynamite, of course, from Charleston, West Virginia. We're going to talk about Dark from last week that aired on Tuesday. We're going to play Elite or Delete, of course. Uh, talk about the ratings and... We were going to give you a preview for the November 6th show in Charlotte, but literally nothing has been announced for the show. So not sure what we're going to do about that. Start with ratings quickly. AEW posts their worst number of uh, so far, 759,000 down from 963,000. That was fourth on cable down to sixth in cable. A 0.33 in the demo down from a 0.45 down in every uh, demo except for 50 plus, uh, clearly wiped out by game seven of the world series, which took a lot of the, uh, the young people, uh, who would hopefully have otherwise watched AEW. So thoughts, concerns, uh, I mean, is this just, it'll be fine next week or is it a real point of, uh, concern? No real concern from me. You know, they were uh, relatively steady as far as relative position in the ratings. Had a giant uh, World Series number. Also had, like, Masked Singer returning, other sports happening. Um, kind of just a uh, a punt week. Yeah, and when these numbers came out, I immediately pulled up last week's numbers, the week before that, and the and, yes, and today yesterday's numbers. And the big thing that I discovered was, Really, AEW was hit proportionally about the same, if just a touch worse than everyone else in that top level of cable. So I'm not necessarily scared about that or worried. I think this was just an environmental thing. Like Game 7 had a 34 share of men 18 to 49. A 34 share is frankly preposterous. That is something that does not happen more than once or twice a year. And when you see that, whenever you hear share, that means that's percentage of if a TV set is on, that's the percent of how many people are actively watching that with that demographic. So it hit everyone. And it will be interesting next week because it will be in Charlotte's to go home. And I think that that's going to kind of tell a story there. I did think it was kind of interesting when you get into the individual demographics that you still had there was a drop across the board but the 50 plus basically stayed the same for AEW and NXT which tells you 
okay, the olds aren't going anywhere. The olds are just like appointment viewing. They're just going to watch this regardless. So it's just, this might be some sort of a baseline, you know? I mean, have y'all thought about that at all? That this might be a baseline because you had this massive TV event that hit everyone, that these are your dedicated in radio, they would call it P1, but like your top tier will watch this every week fans, or am I just reading too much into this? I think the million number was more of the baseline, and this is like your special exception where even people that are part of your baseline tune out to see a, a game seven that's, you know, deciding the entire course of the year's season. Yeah, the interesting thing about the NXT number, they they came in at 580,000, down from 698,000, went from 21st to 31st on cable, uh, 0.18 in the demo, down from 0.21. Most interesting thing here is the losses are almost completely in women. They were up or stable in every male category. I don't know how to explain that. I mean, it could be Mass Singer. It could be that NXT has reached their floor. This is as low as NXT can go. And they lost some women off to some other stuff. But these uh, men are going to watch this show every week, maybe. Mass Singer isn't on. Mass Singer was replaced by baseball. They're both Fox properties. Oh, I thought he came back. No, next week I think they come back. Okay, well, I don't know what these women were doing. Maybe they were watching baseball. They had a really high share for women 15 or 18 to 49 as well. Like, this is just like when I say, like, this is an environmental event. That's what I'm talking about. Like, it got everyone except for the olds. But it'll be interesting to see with like losing two weeks because of baseball for them, what, how like that demographic is going to go. Because when you like looked at it, and this is getting a little bit too in the weeds. The Chicago PD Med Fire series, their ratings were basically the same. So maybe it is that they disappear and those are people out for grabs, or maybe they're going to go straight back to Mass Singer. It'll be interesting. All right. Well, I'd like to see AW get back up into the nines next week. Uh, we'll see what happens. But let's talk about the the good and bad from episode five in Charleston, West Virginia. That's right, folks. Let's play Elite or Delete. If you haven't listened to the last, what, two weeks, we've done this little game. It's very simple. Each of us is going to pick our elite selection of the week. What was the best thing about the show? And each of us will pick something we wanted to delete from the show. Nate, give me that elite pick for episode number five. All right. uh, I'm going to go off the board here because I I have been making these attempts to, uh, you know, pick the less obviously good stuff to leave it for you guys. And then it always gets fucked up anyway. My elite pick is the uh, number of American pro wrestling uh, uh, personality and angle segments that were on this show. They upped that quotient a little bit. We had more uh, interview segments. We had a unique segment um, with Cody in the limo. We had the ongoing story of him arriving to the arena throughout the show. Um, And then we had angles like LAX tackling Rock and Roll Express, LAX borrowing Chris Jericho's mask gimmick to attack the Young Bucks after their match. Um, and I just enjoyed the sort of vivacity of this show and having all these moving parts and things happening all over the arena. And it was a uh, attempt at making the show a little bit less dry than the straight-ahead wrestling shows that we've seen uh, from AEW a lot. Yeah, and uh, you could really contrast that with how last week was just six wrestling matches balls to the wall from the get-go no entrance no pyro just get going so it they have shown some variety there so i see your point with that 
Yeah, that'd be one thing I would say about this show in general so far is every week is a little different. Like they start the show differently each week. They they mix things up. They were getting pretty wrestling heavy, which fine by me, but it depends on what the other segments are going to be. But it never feels tired. Uh, you never get bored of watching this show. Right. It doesn't feel like they have a run sheet and they're sticking to an exact formula every week. They're mixing things up a little bit. They've, uh, you know, exerted some extra special effort in one segment or another. You know, they've gimmicked some glass on one week or they've set up a limo angle on another week. That's the sort of fun stuff from pro wrestling where you don't really know what to expect, but it's going to, you know, knock you on your feet a little bit. And I even like making like a, a big swing and doing like, hey, let's do a extended <laughs> sit down interview in a limousine um, uh, with like our top baby face and have him talk about like his mother, like the, we know they're good at doing that stuff from the road to segments. Um, now the execution on this one did not land super well. It went a little bit long and kind of lost the crowd a little bit. Maybe that's just because, um, you know, we haven't educated the crowd that they should expect something like that quite yet. So, you know, there's certainly plenty of gripes about that at this point, but personally I like, just the fact that we're going to see new things on here. We're going to see things that we're not used to seeing in American pro wrestling television. Uh, and a lot of that stuff they kind of pioneered doing on being the elite when they had like extended musical segments of like Kenny Omega walking down a hotel uh, hallway and having an emotional uh, connection with Kota Ibushi or whatever. Just like I enjoy uh, kind of their attempt there at sort of expanding what we might see on a pro wrestling TV show. Nate, there's nothing wrong with having a run sheet and doing a similar format every week. I mean, that's uh, totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike. Elite, hit me. I'm going to go off the board as well. I think that wow. when, when this kind of builds a little bit off of what Nate said, but it's also more focused, I think that they went back to a wrestling trope they really haven't had that much. And that is having good in-ring promos. Like since the Jericho promo that introduced the inner circle, we haven't had as many great in-ring promos in the promotion. I mean, it's usually been something where like there's going to be some sort of gimmick happening afterwards. But we had probably Adam Page's best promo after his one of Samuel Guevara completely kind of turning the idea of, okay, he's out of his depth. What are they doing with Hangman Page around? and ending it with a great note of using the using shit for apparently one of the two times that you're able to use it on TNT and prime time. So I thought that was really cool. And then Moxley, I mean, when, when we get into our deletes, I I'll bring up the thing, unless one of y'all already do so that there's now another lights out match and Moxley did a really good job of something that I think universally everyone's kind of tired of the unsanctioned lights out just match and moxley saying okay you are going to put me in this this way you're going to do this to me you're gonna make this match not count this match might not count but kenny omega's not coming out of this match unscathed kenny omega will remember this match happens and now tnt and turner will see what happens when you put me in a corner and box me up like that it was like a five minute promo and it was instantly like the kind of stuff that they, that they should be doing with john moxley every week or every other week is let him have his great five minute promo. So I was really happy that they had two very well done promos there, especially on a, on an episode that kind of in some ways went off on the deep end in a lot of different fashions. I was glad to see that this, 
that the this like central wrestling at least modern wrestling like covenant of promos and the ring promos just just two bullets down the chamber of the camera like we like i feel like they did a great job with that all right my elite pick and I'm going on the board. If you don't know, the board is actually just that I give some suggested uh, <laughs> elite and delete picks for uh, the guys to choose from. Uh, they hated mine this this week, so that's fine. Here's my pick. Running a major league pro wrestling show in West, by God, Virginia. I love it. Uh, being an, uh, from Appalachia, very excited that there was major league pro wrestling uh, and their their main show. Uh, in Appalachia, the people there were grateful, were happy, and they were loud for everything. They made this show so good. Like, to me, all the best parts of this show were due to the crowd's reactions. The Paige Guevara match was good, but the crowd blew it up to a much bigger uh, standpoint than it would have been otherwise. And then you get Hikaru Shida and Shauna out there, and... The crowd went nuts for this. They were chanting for Sheeta, even though I think Sheeta was trying to work heel in the match and it didn't really work out. But they were going crazy for her. They were totally with these women the whole match, even though they might have known Sheeta, but they had no clue who Shanna was, right? I think I said it wrong the first time. They had no clue who she was, but they were into it anyway. Just a great crowd. I'm glad they uh, played to this market and I hope they'll come back. Yeah, that's was really remarkable and and i tweeted this but it's just awesome to see like the joshi matches get these big receptions especially um and and cubs fan tweeted this as well you had a crowd like like you said that Sheeta was had not been on tv yet had been on pay-per-view only to this point shana shana uh literally brand new to everyone the crowd not only like didn't shit on it or chant boring or like you know get bored and be silent like they got invested. They chanted for Sheeta. I think she did get some booze in there when she did some of the heelish stuff. So that was established a little bit. And that goes back, I think even uh, Meltzer was talking about this a couple weeks ago, that that was always sort of one of the differences between the uh, WWF crowds and the uh, JCP crowds or the other Southern Wrestling Promotion crowds is that the WWF crowds, if they didn't know who the people were, would basically shit on a chance and not give, and shit on a match and not give it a chance. Whereas the JCP crowds would like be like, okay, you know, let, let's see what you got. See if you can impress me. And they'd be willing to get into a match with new people. And, you know, it's just great to see that WCW is back once again. And for that match, the the, the time where that match like got into the special gear was when Hikaru Shida just cracked Shauna with that forearm leading, leading into the commercial break. That To that point, that was one of the loudest responses the crowd gave all night. And if the crowd was going to like sit back and be like, okay, we're at wrestling. Let's see how you wrestle. We're going to go from there. Because from like that moment on and into the commercial break coming out of it, that crowd was awesome. And I did see some tweets of people like post-show that were there for Dark who said that they were they already are talking about coming back to Charleston, West Virginia. So even though this was not a sellout and for a while it looked like it was going to be their worst house, and it might have been. I know they tarped off the, the upper ring of it. It's successful enough, and they love the reaction there. And I mean, hey. This is an area that wrestling has been so central to the Mid-Atlantic, to West Virginia, Virginia, and the Carolinas, and Georgia for so long because there wasn't any professional sports here. So this was the big thing each week would go to your wrestling show. So having this in a town that I think they said it was 20 years since they had a televised wrestling show and just like 
Charleston, West Virginia came out for this and that fucking ruled. Yeah. And uh, I'll just shout out all the other matches on this show. were also very strong for the most part. And, and like you said, Aaron, they, the crowd was hot for all of them. And that certainly helps them, uh, you know, be good matches. Cause that is one of the important things. Um, but really I, I didn't think a weak match on the show. Paige Guevara was good. Uh, the Sheeta match was good. Um, you had the gimmick, uh rick and morty match which was like the three minutes and the crowd laughed uh so you can't really call that a failure um and then the the tag match and the trios match were like you know approaching awesome so took big balls to put uh sheeta and shanna out there up against the world series which i appreciated and, and up against apparently the uh the insane shoot promo from prince devitt on nxt um, they, they said they ran like, I don't know, a, uh, 13, 14 minute women's match with two unknown quantities. Yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, a ballsy move. And whether you got big balls or small balls, you got to groom your balls, right? Right folks. Support for everything elite comes from manscaped who is number one in below the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels so now we're going to talk about grooming folks uh i know it's kind of a stereotypical thing maybe that wrestling fans aren't well groomed we know that everything elite listeners are well groomed we want to help you be better groomed so here's what we got manscaped they sent us some products okay they sent each of us some products been trying them out here's the stuff that i want to suggest that you check out and here's why I want to suggest check it out. First of all, you're going to go do this at manscaped.com. Use the promo code ELITE. You'll get 20% off. And as you know, this is how podcasts work. You go and do the code, buy something. They keep doing ads on this show. And, you know, it makes everything keep going. So we would greatly appreciate it if you go and support Manscaped. But we're not just telling you that for fun. This shit is actually good. Like, I tried it out. You got the lawnmower 2.0. This is like the actual trimming mechanism. And I know a lot of people come on their podcast and they say, oh, you know, I just used it on my face uh, because they're uh, they're afraid. They're embarrassed. Right. But no, I learned in law school, you got to use products for what they're intended for or your later products liability lawsuit is fucked. So I used this as intended. Great product. Uh, great way to to trim uh, the hair around your uh, your testicles. So you got to love it. <laughs> Yeah, and I would be remiss not to shout out um, the ball preserver uh, that they also sent us because they did send over some, uh, uh, you know, uh, just some nice um, uh, ways to treat yourself and to treat your testicles, uh, like the ball preserver. And fellow Manscaped on-air talent, uh, Jack Swagger, or Jack Hager, uh, Jake Hager, <laughs> I'm sorry, wearing the uh, Manscaped MMA shorts, uh, you know, he probably should have given, given his opponent some ball preserver because uh, he needed them in the balls a lot at Bellator this week. Very nice. But seriously, on the ball preserver, it's good. Here's the deal with the ball preserver. Your balls get sweaty during the day. If you wear uh, slim-fitting pants like I do, it doesn't help. Uh, you do any sort of workout. But you put this ball preserver on in the morning, your balls smell good at the end of the day. I'm telling you. It's It's real. I'm going to go one step further, A.B. All right. That's what I like. So <laughs> both Nate and I have spent a lot of time in 
the lovely cosmopolitan bilingual city of Miami, right, Nate? Yeah, it's a, it's like basically a swamp. Yeah, you're in a swamp there. And what's one of the most annoying things that you have to deal with when you live in South Florida? I'm going to say swamp ass, Mike. Swamp ass <laughs> and any kind of just general situation down that down there it is never it's it's shared geographic territory yeah yeah yeah, shared geographic territory but here's the thing (laughs) the crop reviver a toner and refresher great for this because it's not only is it great for itch after shaving it's bad it's better for you if you're in a place that you know you're going to sweat like that's just how these things go when you live down in the south it's just it's humidity and when it's humidity one place there's humidity everywhere so this crop reviver fantastic product and as are all the products there like they completely re-engineered the lawnmower 2.0 it has usb power so you're not dealing around with dopey batteries it has edge clipper so if you don't want to close shave you're able to dial it back dial it back dial it back and you know it's just a great product and it surprised me how much i actually enjoyed the stuff that they sent us yeah you know speaking of uh of products liability it promises no nicks it promises you that you can shave your uh, sensitive areas without any nicks or scrapes. And frankly, uh, you know, I used it and I was basically careless with it. I was just going wild down there. Uh, I was just like, I'm just going to take a wild swing and see what happens. Uh, yeah, no nicks whatsoever. Um, totally flawless. So uh, you can bank on it. Yes, love it. Uh, no nicks here either. So look, oh, also, I also tried, they have like a body wash. I think it's called the uh, Crop Refresher. No, that's not right. I probably Crop screwed that up. Clean cleanser. It's a Crop cleanser. cleanser. Yep. It's very good. It's got a nice smell. Let me say this about Manscaped. I think they're missing out on other audiences because, of course, not only men have balls, women with balls, and there are non-binary people with balls. So to those people, let me say, the smells that you're going to get from Manscaped are like stereotypically masculine smells. So you might not go as much for those smells if you're femme, right? But the other stuff is still great. Still works for you. Highly recommend it. So go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code ELITE. You'll get 20% off. You'll help us out. You'll help yourself with grooming. That's manscaped.com. Use promo code ELITE to get 20% off. We love you. Thank you. All right. The one thing you don't want to delete is that ad read. Great stuff. I would call it ELITE. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> great team. <laughs> great teamwork there. But let's delete some stuff. Now that I'm fired up thinking about manscape.com promo code elite, I got to delete some stuff. Uh, Nate, what do you want to delete? All right. Um, so, yeah, this is going to go hand in hand with my earlier note about all the non wrestling segments and angles and backstage machinations here. And Mike shouted it out as well. Really got big. Uh, stay away vibes and warning signals and drudge sirens from the John Moxley segment where he goes backstage, talks to on-screen character Tony Khan. Tony Khan books the big John Moxley versus Kenny Omega blow-off match as another lights-off unsanctioned match. Um, and yeah, all that doesn't really sit super well with me. Um, you know, it, it makes. Perfect sense for the build. Obviously, they've been going in this direction. You know, it started with uh, Moxley getting back into his, like, freewheeling vibe with the Janela match. Omega wanted to match that, so he had an unsanctioned match with Janela. You had the hardcore weapons coming out with the barbed wire. 
during their confrontations and then during their tag match against each other. So it's been leading this way, but you're doing another one of these unsanctioned matches in a promotion where wins and losses matter. You're having a third match here that the wins and losses theoretically do not matter. Um, and it just kind of felt very WWE side of sports entertainment. You had the on-screen authority figure, the shoot president of the company. And then you had John Moxley in finding that his match with Kenny Omega is not going to count in the rankings. Uh, comes out to the ring, cuts a promo where he basically takes his anti-authority character and is like, hey, AEW fucked up. Now AEW's the enemy. You know, at, at the beginning of my time with this promotion, I was ride or die with AEW. I was saying, stay out of my way, stay out of AEW's way. And now it's, oh, Tony Khan's my enemy. The authority figure is the bad guy. He's fucking up with the booking. He's protecting one guy. He's anointed one guy is the top guy in the promotion. And all of that is like fine professional wrestling storytelling. And it makes sense for a character like John Moxley's, but it's all just five degrees away from what the WWE has been doing for so long. Like they should just stay far, far away from that stuff. Yeah. I'm totally with you on that. This would have been the one I would pull. It's just, one of those things that you have such a creative and I, I I'll say like pigeonholed wrestler, like how John Moxley was in his entire stint in WWE. And he's already shown variety there and you're shoving him back in there. And then you have Tony Khan who said he would never be a TV character. Like we have to state that he is, was adamant about he was never going to be on TV and it took him five weeks to blow that. So like that, needs to be mentioned that they've gone back on that there. It just was not a strong segment at all. And it really took, I, I still think Moxley was able to bail them out of it somewhat with his promo. But up until that point, I was very down with how Moxley and Omega has been going. Yeah. During the uh, lead up to the main event, the tag tournament final, they were showing a little video package. We see, the thing that I brought up a few weeks ago where Rick Knox gives Scorpio Sky permission to jump in the match. And at the time I was like, that's weird. And then as I was watching it, I was like, no, that's good because we don't have some other authority figure. Like the referee is the authority. That makes sense. So it sucks then for now we have to learn on TV that actually Tony Khan's booking the matches and there's this outside authority figure. And it's just kind of a bummer. I don't know. I just, I hated that. And when I remembered Rick Knox putting Scorpio Sky in the previous match. I was like, oh yeah, that was good. That was a good way to do this. Did it bother you all that Moxley seemed to be mad that this match wasn't going to count when his whole thing with Pac was that he didn't care about wins and losses and Pac did? Yeah, that was an inconsistency. Um, he, again, like he did a fine job justifying getting the promo. He's like, you know, uh, my sights have been set on Omega. Uh since the time he walked into the company with that attack at double or nothing. And then it, it elevated to a point where it was personal between them and Omega talked a lot of shit about him and stuff. So it, it computes as far as the build, but it is, yeah, just a character inconsistency. And Meltzer talked about this, like really the appeal of the big pay-per-view main event match between two built commodities is there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser. This is like, the whole purpose of like all new Japan booking is like you keep guys apart and keep building them and keep building them and keep building them, you know, but in two different leagues uh, in, in the G one, they just, you know, one guy gets a bunch of wins. The other guy gets a bunch of wins. And eventually you see those two guys go head to head. And 
the the thrill of the wrestling is one of these guys has to win and one of these guys has to lose and then it has to have meaning and ramifications going for forward like one guy is going to be a title holder he's going to have a big match at the wrestle kingdom the other guy is going to lose and is going to be out of that picture and is going to have to go and find something else to do like that's the fundamental appeal of the big main event matches this has real consequences one guy's losing one guy's winning and when you have an unsanctioned match be the blow off to your big feud like that I guess you have the psychological appeal of is, you know, Moxley going to overcome this guy who is this legend of Japan and is Kenny going to get his revenge, but they're not going to get the thing on their stat sheet that says if they have a win over the other big guy and uh, it it kind of uh, numbs the effect of having a winner and a loser in the match. So that's what bothers me more about it more so than like, I can kind of uh, retcon Moxley being somewhat of an inconsistent character because he's a head case and kind of crazy, right? So maybe he waffles from week to week on what's important, but... Where's that personal issue, though? You just you brought that back up. When Omega cut that promo about Moxley, that was the height of this feud to me. And they just abandoned that whole part of the story, from my perspective. I would love to have seen more of that. And we haven't even seen Omega cut a promo on TV about this feud, you know, I would love to have seen that get uh, gone into more. Yeah, the lack of promos has been a consistent issue like on, on most of their feuds. Like Cody and Jericho are the only guys that are getting promo time on every show. Like, again, I like all the wrestling. The wrestling is great. I like uh, that they're doing bigger swings and having long interview segments or, or whatever character pieces. But I just want like more... 90 second, two minute, three minute promos from the big heavy hitters in your promotion to remind them like, hey, here's what's motivating Kenny Omega. Hey, here's what's motivating John Moxley. Like those are guys that you always want to keep at the forefront of your viewer's mind. And the feud is something you want to be at the forefront of your viewer's mind, even if they're not going to be wrestling every week or having, uh, you know, extended character segments like in a road to fashion. I, I guess one of my main things about this feud, because this actually would be my delete, would be the Moxon Omega build. So I'm no real need to like do this, is that y- you brought up the whole thing with Cody and Jericho. Each show has had a beat on the show moving forward. There's been beats nearly every single week from, okay, Cody defends his title shot then Jericho defends and all the inner circle stuff. Then you have the brawl last week, and then you have the incident with Dustin this week. Same similar thing happening with the Young Bucks and Santana Ortiz. They might not be like facing off like face to face, but there's beats going on with this that each week keeps you on the, keeps you with a fresh mind. The whole thing with like them intersecting with Paige and Pac, which, you know, that might've been too cute for half. By like having like them intersect and now like you had Moxley and Pac had the issue and then you had Paige and Omega, of course, being members of the elite teaming up like, but it doesn't feel like this feud has had a definitive beat each week leading to this. And for a feud that at this point is the longest going feud in the company's history, dating back to double or nothing. So we're talking about it's going to be almost six months leading up to this match. Because it was Memorial Day, then it was supposed to be before Labor Day, didn't happen. And then now they're pushing it forward another two months to the first week of November, the second week, second Saturday of November. This is their longest feud. And it feels like that with these kind of stars, they should really be building to this. And commentary really doesn't 
fill this either because they always bring up that Omega is depressed. He's trying to figure out his stuff. And it's the only time they ever talk about Omega's depression as well, or like him trying to figure out what's going on there because he doesn't express it either. So I just feel like this whole entire feud pretty much from the TV section of it has fallen flat. And it's taken something like Moxley giving that promo for me to be reinterested in this feud after five weeks of this TV promotion where they haven't hit the notes yet. Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with any of that. Uh, my delete pick was going to be the contract signing and kind of the uh, Jericho Cody build, how it seemed to cool off in this episode, but that has a lot of the same problems. What we've already talked about, you know, it's kind of WWE ish and uh, you know, cooling off uh, build. So, you know, I don't want to hit those beats again. So I guess my delete pick is going to be SCU winning the tag title tournament. And here's my reason on that. First of all, Nate and I both agreed earlier when we were talking about early uh, several episodes ago that they needed to establish these titles with the team that would make all the fans, everybody watching on TV, realize that this is a serious division and these titles must be paid attention to. So on one hand, I don't think they accomplished that with SCU. On the other hand, they had this really smart story going where Scorpio comes in, you know, as like the the uh, surprise guy or whatever, you know, has to come in because Daniels gets hurt, gets put out by Lucha Bros. And so they had the ability to get this going to where we were just dying to see SEU win. We had to see Scorpio come through this whole thing and get the win. And they they started doing that by having Lucha Brothers attack them, put out Christopher Daniels, and Lucha Brothers kept kind of playing heel. But when you get to this match, Lucha Brothers were not heels in this building. And they really, they weren't really heels in the match. I mean, there was, once this match started and the bell rang, there was no reason to be fired up about wanting to see Scorpio Sky win other than if you just like SCU. That was, there was no other motivation for the audience or for fans. And when he finally won, it fell flat. I mean, they didn't even end this match. You know, they could have easily done a match like, uh, the Bucks and uh, I want to say, I was going to say Rapongi 3K, but Rapongi Vice, you know, where like somebody's back is injured and they're out of the ring for a while, you know, in the match and it's just building and building and they make that big comeback and you know, they could have done something like that. But instead, they, it seemed like they may have gone over on time on something. So this match was compressed and it just, it just wasn't satisfying by the end. So uh, I would have liked to see Lucha Brothers win just because they're a more exciting team. Or I would have just rather they paid off the story that they started telling. So I think they did pay off the story, but I agree with you that it didn't really work to their uh, plans or expectations. As you said, they started with the Lucha Brothers confronting SCU in that first episode's uh, interview segment. Um, then you had the assault where the Lucha Brothers laid them out and injured one of their members. And Scorpio Sky valiantly stepped up and took Christopher Daniels' place. Like the logical outcome of that is you know, uh, Scorpio Sky rises to the occasion and becomes the valiant babyface, and they conquer the Lucha Brothers to win the titles, even though they, you know, attack them. Like that's sort of your babyface path there. It 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 did, didn't work basically for the reasons I think you said. The small package roll up uh, after all these crazy, insane spots that they were doing in the match, and after all that heated action, just fell flat. It felt like they ran out of time. Um, and if there had been a more decisive finish, I wonder if it would have seemed. Uh, quite as unsatisfying 
like if they'd done their big move and then you know uh, came up with some new spot to finish off lucha brothers i feel like it's you know at least 25 percent better and, and we're a little happier about it moving forward yeah i wanted to see scorpio sky get that big moment especially if they're gonna push him as a singles guy after this and it just didn't work out that way okay let's talk about dark from this week uh, we we talked about this mike and i talked about it on AEW light so if you want to hear Actually, we didn't talk about it that much. So I was going to say, if you want to hear fuller thoughts, go listen to that. But we kind of uh, zoomed past it at the end. So we'll go through it here. And if there's anything anybody wants to talk about specifically, uh, please speak up. The biggest thing we talked about was this first match. Dustin Rhodes and Sonny Kiss defeated Peter Avalon and QT Marshall. They've, they've definitely gone with Marshall on TV. Uh, I feel like somebody was working us with the Marshall thing. <laughs> no. I feel like that was somebody fucking with us. Kevin Kelly, I remember Kevin Kelly for years calling him Marshall. I remember that distinctly that that was his name in Ring Has of Honor. Has there ever been another Marshall really ever? Does anybody really trust Mike to get a uh, pronunciation right? I'm not the only one who heard this. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, I fuck up a lot and I own up my fuck ups, but multiple people have referred to him as Marshall. So it ain't just me, Chief. I think I even asked, like, in a chat that we're all in, somebody who knows him and I believe he said it was Marshall, so that's why we kept saying it that way on the podcast. Okay, Fabe. Well, I didn't like, you know. Sure. I don't think I told who it was. <laughs> uh, okay, so the, the big story out of this is the greatest fucking tag team on earth, Kiss and Makeup, Dustin Rhodes and Sonny Kiss. Nobody got his, anything on, uh, on, on that tag team? Okay, great. It's a good name. They, uh, they haven't adopted it yet, but in due time. Yeah, this this match was a blast. I think that this is exactly what they yeah. should be doing with Sunny Kiss, and I think that it seems like both both of them are really enthused about it. And you know, Avalon and Marshall are a fun jobber tag team, so that was cool too. So like, this was just like a nice WCW Saturday Night ass tag match, and I was down with it. Emmy Sakura defeated Penelope Ford, Sadie Gibbs, and Ali uh, Sakura, Sakura hit the Tiger Driver on Penelope. The the main thing I want to say about this match is please don't drop Emmy's first name. It's a very easy name, and uh, it's very dumb to just take every Japanese person and only call them by their last name. As uh, somebody tweeted at, at us, it's easier than her last name. An American Korean yes. Emmy and know what Emmy says. Then we had the Cody sit down with MJF. I talked about this more on light, and uh, I, I don't know. I've seen people have different reactions to it. Basically, the controversy if it was there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about this is that mjf is talking about being bullied for being jewish when he was playing high school football and his kind of comeuppance from his perspective was that the main guy who was bullying him is now a drug addict and obviously in any other circumstance that would be a really awful thing to celebrate and that was kind of my thing was that they humanized mjf for a second made him sympathetic and then immediately it took this other turn. But uh, former guest and friend of the show, Kara, pointed out that that was good because you don't want MJF to be humanized. Like, that's the wrong way for that character. So, I don't know, maybe I have to turn my brain off and uh, just enjoy the character work there. Main event of Dark, Darby Allen defeated Jimmy Havoc and Jack Evans. Falls Count Anywhere match. Allen hit a top rope coffin drop uh, onto a chair under which lay Jack Evans and then pin Jack. So 
pretty good match. A lot of people, I saw a lot of people talking about this one. Yeah, there was some really just brutal spots in this, like doing stuff on the the top of the chair, the spine of the chair, doing landing on that. And between this and uh, Dynamite, I just love that Jack Evans is on Major League Wrestling, isn't a Major League Wrestling promotion in 2019, and he's still as fun as he's always been. So, like, this was great. I mean, Jimmy Havoc didn't offend me, but, like, Darby's a star. Jack's great in his role, and it was just a fun brawl. Big Darby news. Darby's theme, I Fell, performed by Wicca Face Springs Eternal, is now available on Spotify and anywhere else you can stream songs. So go check it out. I listened to it again today. It's very good. The one time you omit friend of the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Friend of the show, Wicca Face Springs Eternal. That's true. That's true. What's up, Wicca Face? He's probably listening. He's on tour in, like, Europe, I think. Good time to listen to podcasts. All right, Nate. Hit us with those BTE quick hits. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so there's actually two episodes that we have not discussed uh, since they just put out a Halloween episode today as opposed to Monday. Uh, but going back to last week's episode 176, Merch Freak, uh, basically Nick Jackson is really coming into his zone as a true weirdo on this show uh, where he's obsessed with selling the elite and uh, all elite merchandise. And this is now developed into him doing Chris Angel magic tricks as the merch freak uh, and doing things like uh, doing card tricks. But instead of pulling out the correct card, he pulls MJF's scarf out of the deck of cards. Uh, and he's really just being a real weirdo. It's it's pretty entertaining. It's uh, some of the best stuff that they've done since I've been watching this show. Um, and it also just made me fondly recall a uh, friend of the show, Jarek. Um there was also forward uh, momentum on the Hangman and the rest of the elite relationship where they had Cody and Hangman uh, running into each other in the hall. Hangman was going by Cody and Brandy's uh, office or dressing room. Cody's like, hey, man, we don't talk very much anymore. And Paige is like, yeah, well, you know, you've got your own locker room. And Cody's like, yeah, and so did the Bucks and uh, Kenny. And uh, anyway, they, you know, Hangman again assures them that they're all good. And, you know, he's his boy and he's got his back. And good luck against Jericho. Uh, but then, you know, they slap hands and Cody gives him, Cody goes to give him a dap and Hangman leaves him hanging on the dap and heads off down the hall. So, uh, very nice, uh, you know, where Hangman, we see that he's still a good guy and he's trying to have his, uh, you know, trying to be a good guy about his relationship with the elite. It's that little thing where he can't make the extra, extra step because he's, uh, you know, felt a little burned by him. It's cool, um, the also, it's cool that it's also like WCW in that all the major stars apparently have their own locker room. <laughs> yes. Very good. Uh, and then the librarians are, I guess, together, but Peter like gets annoyed with Leva a lot. I don't know. Um, and anyway, on, on episode 176, there's a very entertaining post-show bit basically where Cody and Nick uh, make Matt come out and model all the merchandise and Matt's like acts humiliated all the time. Then they start taking the clothing off of Matt and throwing it to the crowd. Cody keeps doing the make him say, uh, thing and decides that they now officially have a new bit. All very entertaining and charming. Uh, they rip the shirt that Brandon Cutler is wearing while he's filming and they rip it off him and throw it to the crowd. Uh, and then the crowd starts at Cody's watch chant to try and get him to throw the watch, but he won't do it. Uh, the BT Halloween special from today is also is probably maybe the best single episode that they've done since we've been watching. 
uh, like remarkably high production quality. Like there's two animated segments on this and it's not like cheap, shitty animation. It's like, you know, uh, uh, adequate number of frames in this animation where it looks good. Uh, starting with Adam Page dreaming about uh, being in Toy Story, where he's basically the sheriff like Woody and uh, Kenny is, I don't know, maybe Buzz Lightyear. Uh, and Kenny's going to run a, a Adam Cole over with a train. Um, at one point, Luchasaurus eats Pharaoh. Uh, but then Adam wakes up and he's like, am I feuding with Kenny? Oh, that's weird. That could never happen or something. Uh, but obviously, continuing to advance that. Um, they do a bit with Matt now seeing the merchandise in the mirror. More shades of Halloween Havoc, which was also a theme on this most recent episode of Dynamite. Uh, the, the merch was not actually there. He was just imagining merch in the mirror on him. Um, and then Chuck Taylor confronts Adam Page backstage because uh, uh, he's cheesed off that Adam Page gets to say the S word on TNT and Chuck doesn't. This has been an ongoing Twitter storyline. Uh, there is going to come a point at which Chuck Taylor gets to say the S word on TNT and people are going to go crazy. Um, so basically they, uh, they have a little confrontation. Chuck looks, or I'm sorry, Paige looks uh, Chuck Taylor in the eyes and this teleports him to another cartoon void world uh, where basically he's following all these signs to find his dead horse because the horse that he rode to the ring it all out has literally died. Um, they have all the members of the elite sort of showing up in uh, horror forms uh, Cody says, dead horse, making him say, uh, um, pack and Jericho both taunt him. Uh, and then final segment of the show again, pretty funny. Uh, Kenny has finished the video game, but it's all VR. This is straight out of sword art online where they put their whole bodies into these VR things. And it turns out Matt is wrestling as Matt and Kenny is wrestling as Nick and they have a match, do some, some funny little jokes about it. They're dressed in their street fighter clothes, uh, at the end of this segment. Uh, Nick, who is Kenny, says, oh, this is weird. This is kind of turning me on. Uh, and at the end of the fight, Nick goes to kiss Matt while sitting on top of him. Again, this is straight from Sword Art Online. Incest is big. Uh, <laughs> and Matt gets weirded out and leaves the game. Uh, and then, again, Kenny waking from a dream now, uh, and he comes in his pants. Well, that's quite an episode. It was pretty funny. It was genuinely that. funny. I think Matt and Nick are like, genuinely pretty good comic performers now all right well i i actually will have to check this one out i haven't i've been just relying on your quick hits you know but i guess i'll watch yeah you know i it, you will the the incest stuff probably a little funnier not being spoiled on it and you might need to have the uh again you might need to know the anime lore there to truly appreciate it um but as we saw with kenny you know his sans 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 entrance at uh AEW has gone fully viral once again in the video game community. Uh, you know, he knows his audience and he's appealing to it, uh, you know, uh, seemingly successfully. All right, let's run down the results from this week's episode pretty quickly. We've talked about almost everything on the show, uh, but we'll run it down quickly. So in case you missed the show, you know everything that happened, but we're already going a little long here. So as we mentioned, open with Moxley backstage ranting at Tony Khan about Moxley versus Omega being an unsanctioned match. He tells Tony that uh, Moxley's, or I'm sorry, that Omega's blood is on AEW's hands. Then we saw Adam Page defeat Sammy Guevara with the buckshot lariat. That was interesting, right? That he didn't have to use his finish to, to beat Sammy Guevara? Yeah, and to be honest, I think the buckshot lariat is more of an interesting move for him to have as a finish versus his version of the Mori driver. And I thought this match was a lot of fun. Like, I actually really enjoyed it. I think Sammy is tremendous in this role and i think he was actually tremendous later on during the contract signing even though it was kind of 
weird. I, I just kind of like the idea that he's always just streaming stuff and he's always trying to videotape himself for vlogs. So I enjoy this a lot. And he got to say shit on TV. So it was a good, good opener. Yeah, I do want to shout out. I like the sort of uh, unit vibe they had when Sammy's like manning the camera and he's pointing it off. Oh, here's, you know, proud and powerful. And here's Hager and everybody had a very uh, fun heel vibe in that whole segment. Then Paige did cut the promo where he said he's going to do some cowboy shit at full gear and take Pac's head off. And we had Hikaru Shida defeat Shanna with a running knee strike. We talked about that one at length. Then we got... Yeah, I do, uh, sorry. Uh, one thing I liked in this was Shanna did that big double stomp off the turnbuckle. And when she does it, she's like, pumps her fist. She's like, hell yeah, you know, nailed it. Like, it's one of the, my favorite things. And Paige is good about doing this in his matches too. It's just like, when I see a wrestler get excited that they successfully hit a move, it's like, it, it makes you more excited because you're sort of matching their intensity, but it also like makes sense. It's like, Hey, I landed a big blow in the, you know, competitive psychology of this match. And it's you know, just a good little thing that I really like when those guys do it. And we got a very weird video. So we see Brandy attacking Jamie Hayter from last week. Then we get this uh, video package. It's hard to describe really. You're going to need to check it out, but Brandy's putting on makeup at, to begin. She has a makeup case that has pictures of every woman in, in the division. She's kind of like having visions of them, I think. Uh, awesome Kong is kind of there on the periphery. And uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird stuff that happens in the middle. At the end, we see Brandy smiling in a mirror. She's wearing a veil uh, as I lost it. Oh, TJ Hawk, I think, pointed out on Twitter. She's clearly becoming a witch. So uh, very strange video. Very American horror story, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I'm glad they're following up on what happened last week. Uh, did y'all notice if uh, Jamie Hader's photo was in the makeup kit like everyone else's or not? Missed that. Can't say. Just seeing if there was any clues because I didn't notice it live. And Chris Van Vliet comes out and he's bringing out the Rock and Roll Express. As you know, they were supposed to present the winners of the tag team tournament with the titles. But before they can do much, Santana and Ortiz attack them. And uh, Ricky Morton takes a powerbomb through uh, like a production box. You know, it's right there on the stage. And uh, the Young Bucks come out, chase off Santana and Ortiz. And maybe we get a match between these two teams? I mean, they don't have anything for Charlotte whatsoever. So they could have their big go-home 10-man tag match and bring in the Rock and Roll Express, and that would be pretty tight. But I like how Santana and Ortiz, how they've been portrayed, and they just do things differently. They have the uh, they have the loaded sock as a weapon, and like they put on the gloves. I think that it's a different kind of twist on the wrestling trope of of how a heel's like just surprise attacking, and then you know this was a very kind of tropey thing, but I thought it was well done, and I think that when you take out the legends, especially legends that mean so much to the mid-Atlantic area, like the Rock and Roll Express, I think that this was executed pretty well for that. I mean, hey, that even though there was a crash pad down there, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson still getting after it is always something that's very heartening to see. Yeah, I got the right kind of heat, and uh, I agree. You know, I've been a Santana and Ortiz fan, but I thought they were presented great on this show and really sort of established them as their own sort of force. Then we get the infamous Cody and Tony Shivani riding in a limo segment. Very strange, largely because the sound was mixed really poorly. 
So you could largely hear like, I don't know, like buzzing. <laughs> yeah. You could really hear the, the interview. It, it wasn't just the sound though. Like the way that they lit them from below. I don't know if you all have noticed this, like the, because they have to light it differently since it was a moving car that they were doing it. It's not like they had like a half car that you're able to station lights on. There was just those weird shadows and it was way too bright of a light to be shown on them with that. But I guess that's a light they could have connect there. It just was a weirdly produced piece like the, like both of these are. Sorry, didn't mean to interject, but I had a production note. Yeah, the idea being here that basically Cody was going to make sure that he came out after Jericho for the contract signing because uh, Dusty said that the star always comes out second, told with a pretty funny story about Willie Nelson getting into a pool at the hotel and Dusty didn't want to go to the pool until Willie was already in because he was the real star. This went on for a while and I stopped paying attention to it, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think everybody's pretty well buried at, at this point. Also, uh, Adam Page wearing a Willie Nelson shirt on BTE this week. So a lot of uh, Willie content. I approve. Then we get the best friends and Orange Cassidy. They defeated Alex Reynolds, John Silver, the Beaver Boys, and QT Marshall. Trent pinned Silver after a strong zero. This was the Rick and Morty tie-in. Uh, the <laughs> and Orange Cassidy were all dressed as, fuck, I don't know, Rick and Morty. Yes. Three of them. And uh, it was great. It ruled. Loved it. Like I said this during the show was going on. If you're going to have like a network synergy tie-in, go all out with it and do it just like with a like laughing thing of like this, like Excalibur basically needling uh JR at this time since Tony's supposed to be in the car with quotation marks, but Excalibur needling JR the entire time of this match was really great. And you know, this was like a fun squash match. Like I don't have, a, I didn't rate it in my notebook, but it was just was a good time. They like completely did like the right moments of Orange Cassidy, and then went to the pen, and it was like a one segment squash match. And I love seeing seeing the Beaver Boys in all elite wrestling. I hope it continues. I do like that they faved that uh, that Tony was in the car the whole time. And we had the Jericho Cody contract signing. This was very bad. Uh, they basically played it as, hey, we're gonna make a point out of that we're not doing what WWE would do here. And where that's come off in the past as charming and like, you know, we're the, uh, the, the, whatever I'm trying to say, we're like coming after WWE and it's exciting. This came off as like very boring and very just trying too hard to recapture some of that previous energy they've had going after WWE. So uh, I just hated this, but then, uh, Jericho tells Cody, and also weird that only Jericho got mic time here. No Cody mic time in this. And Jericho, which I guess Cody just talked for fucking 10 minutes in the limo. So, uh, but then Jericho says, Cody, you might be needed elsewhere. And that's when we see Sammy up on the screen and Jake Hager is attacking Dustin and kneeing him in the balls. And so Cody runs off, he gets MJF and they save Dustin. I mostly liked this. Um, just because I, you know, I, I'm going wild for anything Jericho related at this point. Like him, him calling them hillbillies is so base and so easy and so obvious. But again, it's like he does the obvious thing, and you just aren't see it coming, and you still love it. Um, and and he actually got genuine heel heat, which again is amazing at a time where he's like been a legend of the business forever, however many however many years. And again, love the love the backstage attack. Because we got the Hager effect, we got the knee to the balls. Had to see that on this show, 
And then we got Jericho as he's going away with his click there, lighting a cigar. Another just great Jericho moment, I thought. So uh, I, this sort maybe uh, sort of uh, wore out its welcome because we already had so much long Cody stuff on this show. But fundamentally, I didn't think it was like too poorly constructed. Yeah, I, I think it was like Cody fatigue at this point that really made it an issue. We do have to shout out two things in this. First, the absolute legend, Mega Parekh, was adjudicating this as if you are someone who's like ha- hasn't kept up with all this before. She is the official chief legal officer of the Jacksonville Jaguars who was like brought in for the first signing for Cody and Sean Spears, and she was completely deadpan about the whole entire situation. I hope that we get some good content of her just being like, I don't know why we don't do this over email. And you you put yourself in this situation here, Cody, if your brother would get attacked. So I thought that was hilarious. And then I I noticed, Nate, you said this. I didn't pick up on this. The fact that JR was the only person to make the reference to what happened with Hager at Bellator. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Yeah, you shouted that out uh, maybe during an ad break. So maybe other people didn't see it. Then we had a trios match, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks defeating Hybrid 2, Jack Evans and Helico and Kip Sabian. Omega pinned Jack Evans uh, with the one-winged angel. Yeah, Kenny's got to use Megalovania for his entrance music all the time. It's a way better song than the entrance music he usually uses. Um, That's my main takeaway from this. But also this match kind of felt to me like he's sort of reascended to that top babyface level. Like he really got received like a big star by the crowd. I think of this match, you know, even just from his entrance, um, even though he came out as a, uh, you know, obscure, relatively obscure character from a throwback 16 bit indie RPG in West Virginia. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting match. I think that we do have to mention that, there has been like rumors about New Japan and All Elite being on uh, approaching better terms. There was a post on Reddit yesterday, and then more fuel to the fire the fact that the entrance video had both Kota, someone who's supposed to be Kota Bushi with a G1 trophy, and as well had a demonic looking line mark, which I know is related to a character in Undertale. I've never played that game. But yeah, this match also ruled. Like Jack Evans is. If I want to do like an MVP of the week, it's Jack Evans because he's had, he's got his ass kicked twice in two completely different ways and he just has total command over his character. Yeah, on the New Japan thing, kind of circumstantial. Like I could totally believe Kenny is just being petty or being extra by including that stuff in the video here. Uh, but the nugget of information that does give it some credence is Dave said that Gato did want to do something. So. After the match, the Bucks are slapping hands around the front row, and Santana and Ortiz are there in Rick and Morty mask, take them off, and attack the Bucks. So we keep building toward that, which is good. Peter Avalon comes out. He's got Leva Bates with him, and he's cutting, you know, classic heel promo. But Mox comes out, uh, kicks Peter Avalon's ass, and that's when he cuts the promo about the match being unsanctioned, which we've already talked about. Then it was main event time. We get uh, SCU defeating the Lucha Bros. Uh, and Scorpio Sky pinned Pentagon Jr. with a small package. And uh, basically, they had to go off the air like immediately after the match was over. So that was episode five. Yeah, you kind of wonder if that that match and that tag team tournament coming to a conclusion would have 
been better received if you cut like three minutes off the limousine segments? Uh, these are the matches that were taped for Dark. Sean Spears versus Michael Nakazawa. Mercedes Martinez returns. She's teaming yeah. with Big Swole in a tag team against Allie and Sadie Gibbs. That will be pretty interesting seeing how the match that uh, Allie and Sadie Gibbs had on Dark this week was heavily edited. It was the first like real big edited match. But if Mercedes Martinez is willing to come do shots, I am so stoked to see her there. She was so great in the women's Casino Battle Royal at All Out. And Big Swole is incredible as well. So I'm glad that we're getting to see more women in this division. Well, this is like her coming to West Virginia as yeah. opposed to like showing up in Chicago. So this feels to me like she's going to be a part of this thing. It it's Chicago. It's coming to West Virginia on a Wednesday too. This isn't like a weekend shot. This is oh, I have to be in West Virginia at a certain time on Saturday on Wednesday. So it's I don't know if she's ever going to sign, but I it, as much as she wants to work in all elite, I would love to see her. They really do. They've got a lot of really talented women on this roster. We haven't maybe seen them all um, highlighted um, as best as possible to this point. Um, and I guess the matches that have been featured, but uh, you know, uh, on this, on this TV show alone, it's like, Oh yeah, no, there's, there's two more great wrestlers in Hikaru Shida and Shanna that just haven't gotten the chance to debut on television yet. And the main event is going to be, Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt taking on Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc. This is where we would usually preview the next episode, uh, but for November 6th in Charlotte, we don't have anything announced. So we'll see what happens. It's the go-home show, obviously. So uh, we should see some more building for the matches on Full Gear. I don't know what I'm going to go see next Wednesday, guys. Like, I'm doing the drive up there. So I, I, we've had pretty good luck of speaking things into existence. So I'm going to say this once more. Giant Inner Circle versus Elite and Elite Affiliates tag match as a main event. I would love to see that in Charlotte. I think that's a pretty good bet. If only there was some place where you guys could do another preview for the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we will be previewing this show on AEW Lite on Wednesday morning. So check out Twitter. And it's, uh, it's going to be on SoundCloud, but I don't know the address, so I can't tell you what it is. All right, a few other notes, and we'll get out of here. AEW officially signed Anthony Agogo, something like that. He was a he was a boxer. If you have been with us for a long time, we talked about him when he was on Road Twos. Cody said this is their first real developmental signing, so they're going to teach this guy how to wrestle and see what happens. So uh, if it works out, should be a big boon for AEW going forward. When we start seeing if there are actual you know competitions between AEW and WWE for new talents. And we're going to see development. Like we've only we have, they have these prospects that we've only seen development through the televised program. But it'd be interesting taking someone who, although he is an Olympic medal athlete, seeing him develop from being from square one as a wrestler. So it'd be interesting. And the for the world title match for Jericho versus Cody, I don't think we talked about this last week. As I recall, they announced that it's going to be that it's a sixty minute time limit, and there's going to be a world world championship committee three judges and if it goes 60 minutes the judges will choose the winner this is a very uh, jim crockett promotions thing and uh, i love it i don't think there's any chance this match is going 60 minutes so uh, they'll just be there to to look fun and i'm sure get involved somehow in this match 
yeah, I spoke this into existence. We're going to see Jack Whitehall. We're going to see Billy Gunn. And we're going to see Bret Hart as your judges here as they are members of the championship committee. So we'll see. I don't, I don't think uh, Billy Gunn's deserving to be on the championship committee personally. He does not have the bona fides. I mean, he... where has Billy Gunn been? Haven't even, we haven't heard from him in months. He's, he's an agent. He's, uh, he's yeah. a backstage guy. He's a coach. I they do little videos with Arn Anderson, but I don't see Billy Gunn. Maybe it's I don't because... Know, have, we, have we seen Arn since All Out? No. Yeah, yeah, we've seen him on videos on their on their socials. He was on one today. Okay, that's fair. I mean, who knows? Should retweet uh, those. Yeah. <laughs> we can't just retweet everything they post. Or I guess we can. All right. Uh, that's the show. So uh, get our plugs in. But don't dip out because sometimes we do something goofy at the end of this. You never know. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. And remember to uh, look there. There's going to be some content news coming up. So check it out. At Aaron Like the Car. At Epitasis. At Fujiheya. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Get it right in that RSS feed every usually Thursday night. Rate and review us. Sponsor us. Go to redcircle.com slash show slash everything dash elite and check out AEW Light. It's a fun little chill preview for Dynamite. Uh, no reason to go back and listen to the one from this week, but check it out next week. We'll be doing it before Mike heads out for Charlotte and take care of your balls, folks. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code elite and get 20% off of anything you buy. I think that's it. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. saving for the future but savings accounts suck and investing can be scary we combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing we call it save vesting and it's only available in our new app stairs stairs offers four to six percent returns no fees and you can withdraw anytime do your future a favor visit stairsapp.com today